This is Shark Tales, a new podcast from NBC10 Boston that takes a deep dive into sharks. Dr. Greg Skomel is an official marine fisheries biologist and unofficial face of shark research in Cape Cod. All eyes are on him during shark season, and I wanted to talk to him about ocean life and the media feeding frenzy that comes his way every year. Hey everybody, this is Rob Michelson with NBC10 Boston. I'm here with Greg Skomel. Uh, he's a shark biologist with the Massachusetts Division of Marine Fisheries. Good to be here. So you've been studying sharks for how long? Uh, I think I'm over 35 years. 35 years. That's longer than I've lived uh, studying <laughs> sharks. I, you know what you would say when people remind you of that? Well, you look yeah. older. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> that makes me feel better now. Uh, in shark years, I don't know how old I'd be. Um, so th- for 35 years, you've been sh- studying sharks. How'd you get into it initially? Well, I've always always was fascinated with sharks uh, since I was a kid, and then I, um, when I went on from high school to to college, I went to the University of Rhode Island, which has a, a had a great marine biology program, still does. Uh, moved on to a master's degree, but followed my passion to to study this incredible group of animals. I, I love sharks. I love to work with them. Now, what is it about sharks that make them like so interesting? Is it kind of the cultural dynamic they have? Is it just the, their physiology, their biology? Like, you know, what's great about sharks? Well, I'd have to say all of the above. You know, for me, it's it, it's just an amazing uh, evolutionary success story. You know, having persisted for over four hundred million years, um, and they're survivors. They're they're absolutely amazing in in the way they they move through the water. Their their physiology, anatomy. Uh, the diversity, uh, the habitats, the range of habitats they they are in all over the world. Uh, to me, they're just uh, incredible. When you first started studying sharks, um, did you have any misconceptions? What was your first experience with sharks? I entered it as a student, more or less, you know, working on my master's degree. So the, what you do is, you know, the, the process is pretty straightforward. You, you end up, uh, you know, reading what's already been published. And it starts with, with books and goes to individual papers and you try to absorb as much as you possibly can, but nothing really prepares you uh, for the experience in, until you get to actually see a live shark or dissect your first shark, do you do your first necropsy. Um, you know, that's where you really start to get the hands-on approach that you need to study these animals, and it it really sparks your curiosity. What I found out early on is that we know remarkably very little about most species of sharks. Uh, and uh, we're trying to play catch up because many of these species are, are, are exposed to commercial and recreational fishing throughout their range. So when you're thinking about what to study, there are no other marine animals. It, had, it was sharks. You were like, maybe octopuses, maybe squids. Do you have any backups or other, other animals that you were interested in? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up interested in the ocean in general and, and fish and fish species. I have a particular attraction to sharks and other big game fishes. You know, tunas and marlins and swordfish, to me, are really well adapted for the marine environment. They're top predators in the ocean environment. But I could be equally as captivated by, you know, a couple of clownfish swimming in an anemone on a coral reef. You know, I I, I just love uh, many aspects of, of marine life. Humans weren't made to go into the ocean. And it's almost like this whole other world. It's so mysterious. Is that kind of the big draw where there's still so much to know? Yeah, I mean, we we often refer to the oceans as inner space, right? Um, a lot of kids are attracted to outer space. They want to be astronauts. They want to explore new worlds. And there's so much yet to explore here on Earth, particularly in the ocean. 
um, much of which has, has never really been looked at or examined in great detail. So, you know, just chasing around sharks for me, it leads me to new adventures. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, there's never a dull moment in my life. Have you gone to other areas to study sharks or is it just in the Cape Cod area? Well, now a lot of our work is focused in the Cape Cod area, but and much of my, my uh, career has been on New England species. A lot of people, you know, associate me with, with white sharks, and yeah. that's because the last decade has been dedicated to quite a bit of white shark research here in Cape Cod. Um, but prior to that, I, I studied a lot of different species of sharks here in New England from, you know, sand tigers to basking sharks to blues, makos, threshers, you name it. Um, and I've also been really fortunate to travel to other parts of the world and, and study sharks. I've, I've been to the Central Pacific studying gray reef sharks. I've, I've been certainly to many parts of the U.S., down to Florida, into the Bahamas, the Caribbean. I was really fortunate to work with my colleagues at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution on whale sharks in the Red Sea. Um, I've been to the Irish Sea to, to study basking sharks and up to the Arctic Circle to look at Greenland sharks. So, Oof. you know, I've had a lot of great experiences. And, and like I said, sharks lead me there. Particularly in the summer and the season where the sharks are sightings are up, media is just all over. How does it feel to kind of have the whole world with its eyes on you during the summer? Be like, tell us more about these sharks. Well, you know, in the beginning, it's kind of fun early in the summer. By by late summer, it gets a little fatiguing. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we often talk a lot about shark frenzies, and I, I, I tend to think more of media frenzies. <laughs> um, True. Well, you know, every there, there are a lot of media outlets. There's there's broadcast media, obviously. There's there's uh, print media. There's internet media, social media, and everybody wants a direct quote or wants to talk about sharks. And I I certainly love using all these vectors to get information out about these animals. The general public uh, needs to know about these these creatures, and and not only in the in the context of shark attack, but in in the context of conservation and, and long-term sustainability. So, you know, I take advantage of all those resources that approach me for, for discussions about sharks. Yeah, anybody from TMZ to NBC just uh, wants to know about <laughs> sharks, and, you know, it's, uh, it's competitive, you know. <laughs> it is a competitive world these days. The, the ideas of three networks, and that's it. <laughs> when I grew up, oh, that's man. all over. That's all over. Now you got, like, blogs. Like, hi, I run a shark blog. And yeah. It gets, like, 100 visitors a, a year. Can you please give me a quote? <laughs> you know, but, you know, like, right, it's, a, it's a feeding frenzy, and that's kind of cool. You can kind of share that with people who may have a misconception about what the sharks are all about over here. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, we tend to, thanks to Hollywood and, and other media outlets, we tend to think of white sharks and other species of sharks of being, uh, you know, vast consumers of human beings and having relied on that throughout their evolution. And that's simply not the case. Had they done so, they would have gone extinct. Mm -hmm. You know, we are terrestrial land animals. We don't go in the ocean uh, very much. Uh, and if sharks relied on us to, to survive, uh, they, they wouldn't have survived. Um, so, you know, we like to dispel some of the myths out there with regard to these creatures. And I think that, you know, I, I, I like to give the general public a little more credit perhaps than Hollywood does. Um, you know, they're, they're far, they're just as fascinated by the various aspects of the biology and natural history of these animals that we learn each year as they are about, you know, uh, the, the uh, capability of these, these sharks to, you know, occasionally kill people. And they've, they've been around because humans haven't been around as long. There's still so much to learn. They're such an old animal. Um, has there been anything in the past year or so that has been like a fascinating discovery or anything in your research in the, maybe the past couple of years that you've been like, wow, this is something I never knew before? 
Yeah, I think every year we learn some new aspect that sure. we either anticipated or, or more often did not anticipate. You know, we started looking at the broad scale movements of these animals 10 years ago and and we clearly saw what what was appeared to be a very simple north-south migration. You know, I, I used to call it this the snowbird migratory pattern. Cape Cod in mm. the summer, Florida in the winter. Oh yeah. And and every white shark we've tagged does that. Um but there are every now and then those sharks that not only exhibit that north-south pattern, but also move out into the broader Atlantic Ocean um, where it's open water. You know, they're moving as far east as the Azores. And, and when they do this, they exhibit some really interesting diving patterns going down to depths as great as 3,000 feet every day. And so this is a shark that we typically consider to be, you know, a, a, a top predator living in coastal shallow waters, moving out to deep water, diving to great depths. And there's not a scientist on Earth that can tell you why they do that. And so that's a really, and of course, that's a really cool mystery to try to solve. Ooh, I like it. We're not any closer to solving it, but it's a really cool finding from our work. But you're out there. And it just the way you tag sharks is so interesting. And you developed the, the way your method of tagging sharks. Maybe kind of go into it to describe to people how you go about doing that to track sharks. Yeah, I mean, the idea of planting a small intramuscular dart at the base of the dorsal fin, that's been around really since probably the 1950s, 1960s uh, when it comes to sharks. So it's a traditional application. Uh, but typically what folks like to do is is they like to chum in sharks. They like to put lots of, of uh, fish blood and, and fish pieces in the water. We call that shark chum. They draw the sharks to their boat. Um, we really don't think that's a good idea off Cape Cod. Right. You know, the idea of drawing sharks to us or drawing sharks uh, close to shore is, is not a smart move, particularly given all the people that are utilizing the coastline. So what we do is we go to the sharks. Yeah. We don't bring the sharks to us. So I use a spotter plane, which is fairly unique. We've got a guy up in the air, Wayne Davis. Wayne Davis. Davis. Yep. Yeah, le local legend. <laughs> local legend. Been doing it forever. Yeah. And uh, is, is, there's no better spotter pilot, and there's no better spotter pilot that takes pictures. You know, yep, it's, yep. A, it's incredible. He puts us on the fish, and then while the shark is actually just swimming along, Minding its own business, we will just place. We'll use a, a you know a boat with a long pulpit on it, and I'll go out on the end of that pulpit, and we'll place that dart right at the base of the dorsal fin with a very long tagging pole, and you know it works really effectively. We're not stressing the shark out. We're not stressing ourselves out. We're not stressing the beachgoers out, and we're really just trying to learn from these fish without you know impacting them. You know, following what we call the prime directive. Yeah. Like it takes some skill because you got to be out there. Wayne's doing his thing, telling you where to go. But you have to have a reaction time, accuracy. Do you practice at home? Do you, uh, you know, <laughs> spear fishing or anything like that? No, I, I mean, I started tagging sharks using, you know, these small darts and, and tagging poles, you know, back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got really, you know, you develop a talent for this. Yeah. And just as you do with practicing anything, you know, being on a moving boat while the shark is moving, that was a skill set I had to develop. But um, that's come to me fairly well over the last decade. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's not particularly hard. You just have to practice it. Practice makes perfect. That's what they say. When you're not out there tagging sharks and learning about sharks, any other ocean activities or any other hobbies? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I grew up uh, an avid uh, underwater photographer. I love to take pictures underwater, um, and I love to be in the ocean. So I, I've, I've always been a scuba diver. 
Uh, I will admit that I don't dive as, as frequently as I used to, mostly because I decided to settle down and have a family. Oh, one of those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I made the same decision, yeah. uh, and uh, I, I, I don't regret it yet. No, I, I won't ask you, you if will. you have any regrets. You, you, <laughs> you, eventually you will. No, there's no... <laughs> yeah, I tell you, you know, I've, I've traveled all over the world doing really cool things with sharks, yeah. but the best thing I ever did was have kids, you know? Oh, my God, yeah. It really is. Um, I enjoy being with them. And I, I like to go fishing with them. I like to go clamming with them. We go snorkeling and uh, we explore the ocean together. And I'm kind of reliving my youth to some extent. And you're going to find that you do this. As your child moves through these various stages and learns new fun things to do, you're going to re-experience them as you teach them. Through them. And it's really cool to do. And it's renewed my my passion for some things like fishing, which I hadn't done in a while. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a real adventure raising kids. And, you know, do they get excited when they see, you know, shark? Because obviously kids seem very excited about sharks. They got baby shark. When they, when they see a shark, do they get excited when there's like a shark saying, like, oh, look at it, check, check it out. Like, what's their reaction to seeing a shark? My kids, you know, they love what I do and they yeah. like to follow me. I, they, they get overwhelmed by it, I think, to some extent because it's shark- 24-7 this time of year. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm on Shark Week or on TV, they they don't run to the television set like they used to, you know? <laughs> Guys, I'm on TV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've seen you. <laughs> I think if I said I was out cutting the lawn, that would, they'd come f- probably oh, watch me do that. Yeah, something I don't different. do that very often. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think they've, they've become kind of immune to it, which tends to happen in any household, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been a fun adventure. Well, that's that's great, and uh, you know you're you're out there with the sharks. You're a father with kids. I mean, you know, how do you find the time to enjoy yourself? Because you got the family, and like you got the sharks. I mean, when's your off season? Well, you know, our off season really goes from November through uh, May. So um, there's a lot that we need to do in that time period, but it's not you know the rat race that I I I have during the summer. but, you know, you have to understand, you know, people like me who choose these jobs, yeah. you know, a lot of people who work for my agency are like this. You know, you do it as a it's a passionate thing you love. You know, it's more than, you know, just a job. It, it's it's more it's like a hobby and a job and avocation altogether. It's really what you commit yourself to. You know, none of us are getting rich. You know, I work for the state of Massachusetts. The more sharks I tag doesn't mean the more money I make. There's no shark Ponzi scheme or anything going on here? <laughs> no, nope. All right, just, just you know, checking. I, I want to get in on this action, you know? That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was to some extent, you know? I get paid the same amount no matter what, as negotiated by my union with the good people of the Commonwealth. So, you know, it, it is what it is. So yeah. we do it for the love of it. And right. so, you know, I, I have fun on, during my job, and I have... I go home and I have fun with my family. And uh, what more do I need? You know what? I, uh, I saw you singing a little Springsteen uh, the last time we were out. <laughs> so you're on a boat for so long, looking for sharks, and sometimes there's a lull. Uh, there's, you know, you can have you have cookie time. I saw. Um, any other ways you pass the time out there? Well, you know, we tend to still tell stories with each other. We relive old times. We, you know, we kill the. I have to tell you. Yes. You know, the day you were on the boat was fairly slow. We had some weather issues as well. Um, we've had a couple of slow days since, which mm-hmm. is, can be very tedious, but things have been very active this summer. We've tagged as of, uh, two days, uh, let's see, a couple of days ago, 19 fish. All right. You know, I don't think I tagged 19 all of last summer. Oh, so dang. we are only in August. There's lots to do and uh, there hasn't been as much downtime. 
Yep. Um, but, you know, we usually like to make fun of each other when we do have that time Bust off. chops. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing with chops. coworkers, you know, you got to bust their chops because then they yeah. don't know you love them. Look that's with your right. family. It's the only way I express my love is by <laughs> making fun of them. <laughs> it's like I got to go home my wife. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like you. Uh, um, she's probably going to listen to this. Uh, honey, uh, you didn't hear that part. <laughs> Um, uh, you're just tired. Ah, God, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a busy week. I was telling you, it's my first weekend away from my kid. Yeah. And uh, but you know what? You know what really energizes me? Sharks and shark content. Good, <laughs> good. I I like to see this energy <laughs> level. Um. So speaking of the media, my, myself part of the media. Mm-hmm. Here's a question: What does the media get wrong about sharks the most? Like most often, what are we wrong about? Well, I think that what the media does most is it exploits the fear factor, mm-hmm. and I understand that. You know, it sells newspapers. It 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 drives activity and such. I understand that. The media tends to go away when there are no shark attacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we need to focus on the other aspects of these animals and, and, the, and the simple fact that we've been overexploiting many shark species for a very long time. It does not get much media attention. But, you know, here in the U.S., we reverse some of those trends, but in other parts of the world, uh, that has not happened. So we need to understand that the sharks are an integral part of our ecosystem. They're top predators, and we can't wipe them all out. If we do, then we would have some serious problems with the world's oceans. Right. And so, uh, you know, I'd like the media perhaps to emphasize that uh, as much or perhaps even more than the uh, the fact that they bite somebody every now and then. Right. Um, but I understand the media's focus at this stage. Yeah. Um, I think what really can be a little frustrating with media these days, and I understand why it happens, is because time is a major factor. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's so many media outlets these days that you you have to be the first. Gotta get the scoop. You know, and and when you when you when when speed timing drives it, accuracy can fall out. Certainly. And so fact checking is important. You know, and and taking a little extra time to make sure that what you're putting in that article is is truthful. It must be frustrating as a researcher. You spend so much time getting the right information, and then somebody like gets it wrong in a headline, and you're like, "Oh, come on!" You know, because I mean, with your like with your shark tagging, you want it accurate, you want it quick, you know, but you want it to be right on point. Right. That's a good don't, analogy, right? Don't. It's an excellent analogy. <laughs> don't pull the trigger unless you know you're not going to impact or hurt that shark. And um, all too often, the, the headlines, in particular, I know what I know what it's all, they're all about, but they yeah. they're to draw draw attention and. Uh, uh, all too often, the content doesn't reflect, isn't well reflected by the the headline. But you know, the the writers doing one thing and the editorial staff are doing the other. And <laughs> and let's face it, uh, you got to sell papers. You know, and I feel like I'm looking in the mirror right now as a member of the media. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm looking back in the mirror. <laughs> now, what, what do you what do you listen to out there? Do you do you have any tunes while you're out there? No, we, we don't. We don't. We we, each we, other. we tend to focus the sound of each other's voice. Wayne's right. ma- Wayne's velo- melodic voice. He over, does have a melodic voice. Over the, uh, over the radio, particularly if he has, his radio isn't working well, yep. then you'll catch him swearing, and that's kind of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. He's it's, it's almost like a side character that's just like, hey, guys, checking in. You know, he's just like, yeah. he's like, a, like a, a Kramer just coming into the apartment, you know, <laughs> like, hey, what's going on, you know? A little Seinfeld reference. So. Uh, anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> Phone for Megan. <laughs> What's the question you love being asked about sharks? Probably my favorite, and you've already asked it, is yeah. what have you learned right. recently? You know, what what are you actually learning about these animals? I mean, all too often scientists get a big chunk of money from government and do, and they yeah. don't share anything. <laughs> so you got to share everything with the, with the public because they're, for the most part, paying for it. Um, so I like those questions that ask about our research. Um, those that focus on shark attack, you know, they tend to be... Um, 
you know, they, they can drain you. You know, I understand the profound impact that shark attack can have. Um, and, and nobody wants anybody to get bitten by sharks, but we need to keep it in the context of probability and reality. Right. You know, we tend not to, fo- I mean, people get killed every day in their cars and we don't ever talk about it. Right. You know, um, and, I, and I, maybe we don't need to talk about it, but we do need to keep people driving safely. And, uh, but we focus on, on shark attacks and, 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 the, and the rarity of them is not reflected in the, in the frequency with which they're discussed. Certainly. You know a lot about sharks. I mean, obviously, you're studying them all the time. I'm trying to. I'm <laughs> trying know, to. Yeah, I, I, I think I know something about them, but boy. Um, <laughs> so what's the, what's the one that people are always shocked by? You know, they're saying, like, oh, I never knew that. I think maybe longevity. People tend to relate well with longevity. Um, we don't think anything of an animal that lives two hours, right? Right. <laughs> we, we smack them all the time to kill them because they're pe- pests and nuisances, and most yep. of them are insects, right? Yep. Um, but we tend to revere the animals that are long-lived. And I think that I surprise people when I say that, you know, the white shark in particular is a long-lived species. It can live over 70 years. It's a long time. So if you see a white shark, you, you, you're now looking at something that could have been alive 10, 20, 50, 60 years. And, and that cha- tends to change people's opinions of, of critters. And I think people get really fascinated by that. What do you think has changed uh, with perception? I mean, either perception of sharks... Um, are we evolving? Are we going the right direction, the wrong direction? I definitely think we're going in the right direction. Good. And and as much as I will tease the media, they have been, <laughs> for the most part, very helpful in right. that. Uh, you, certainly the Internet and chat groups and social media, you know, and, has provided information vectors that the average person uses daily. And, and as a result, information from scientists is getting out there much more effectively. I think scientists are doing a better job at getting information out there. And even, you know, um, some of the broadcast media like Shark Week and Shark Fest and, and PBS channels, I mean, they're, I think they're, they're engaging people. And I think if you can engage people, you get them and you pique their interest, you can, you can get their respect for these animals, and that leads ultimately to conservation. So we have been going in the right direction the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, there was a time, particularly as when I was growing up, that the only good shark was a dead shark. Mm, yeah. I think that y- you propose killing these animals now, and there are going to be a whole lot of people out there that do not want to see that. You know, in your time researching sharks, uh, yeah, you've gone underwater. Have you, like, ever had an interaction with one? Like, have you, like, been underwater? experienced them in any way? Yeah, I've been really lucky. Uh, I've been able to dive with a number of different species literally all over the world. Right. Locally here with blue sharks and makos and basking sharks and even white sharks. But also, you know, in the Arctic Circle with Greenland sharks and, and down in tropical areas with, oh man, a whole bunch of species. And I tell you, nothing more exhilarating than being in the water with a live shark. I really? Mean, it really is amazing. If you're not comfortable... I certainly recommend staying in protective cages. Right. That's the right way to go about doing it. Uh, but I've been really lucky to, to be in the water, you know, unencumbered. Outside of a cage? Outside of wow, cages. I've never Handling sharks, yeah. tagging sharks. I mean, it really is to see the beauty of these animals in their element surpasses, you know, any other experience. You know, it's, it's like watching perhaps, uh, you know, lions and tigers, cheetahs in their natural element. It is just amazing. Um, so, you know, if you've got a little disposable income, I, I always say to folks, if you get a chance, go diving with sharks. It will absolutely change your world. Any final thoughts? 
You know, I we tend to focus on Greg Skomel because he's, you know, he has been somewhat the face of shark research. But I think I l- really like to emphasize the fact that I'm, I'm part of a much bigger team. You know, whether it's Wayne Davis in the air, uh, John King driving the boat, the, su- the 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 support we get from the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, and my colleague and collaborator Megan Winton. You know, and then the volunteers that support us and the people that write checks and, you know, my agency. You know, it is it is a big effort to do what we do and to get done what we get done. So, you know, realize if you're looking at me, you're looking at a giant group of folks that are getting it done. And I, I'm really appreciative of that. Thank you for joining in on another episode of Shark Tales. Make sure to subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast provider to get new episodes right when they come out. Don't forget to check out our weekly show on YouTube and Instagram and come back for even more exclusive shark features.